The Cincinnati Bearcats made some changes to their offensive line on Saturday, but not the right one. I'll explain. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. We're free and available everywhere that you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel. Follow it too so you can get an alert every time we drop a new episode. This episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss this week's matchup between the Cincinnati Bearcats and the ECU Pirates right here on Sling. Sling. The TV you love for a price you'll love. Try it today. Alex Frank with you, your host, each and every day, right here on Lockdown Bearcats. I'm the former sports director of UC's student-run media organization, Bearcats Media, where I was a play-by-play announcer for Bearcats football and men's basketball and a weekly radio show host. So, the Cincinnati Bearcats made some changes to their offensive line on Saturday. I like that. Lorenz Metz got his first start of the season. That was much needed, but unfortunately, the right change was not made. The right change that needed to be made and still should be made is Joe Huber cannot be starting at right tackle, right? He looks lost. I mean, if there is a good edge rusher or if there is a good pass rusher coming off the edge, Joe Huber is toast. I mean, it is hard to watch. These tackles right now, not only Joe Huber, but James Tunstall on the left side. And the the thing is, and my former colleague at Bearcast Media, Justin Cashman, taught me this phrase. Lackluster tackle play cannot mask lackluster interior play. Lackluster, or I'm sorry, lackluster interior play can be masked by great tackle play. But if you don't have great tackle play... It doesn't matter how great your interior is. We know that Lorenz Metz, Dylan O'Quinn, and Gavin Gerhardt are really good. But the tackles this year have not been good. And why would you bench Jeremy Cooper? Why would you bench a multi-year veteran who has been here, I believe, since 2019? Yeah, that's right. Why would you bench a four-year starter? That doesn't make any sense to me. Like, yeah, Lorenz Metz, fine. He should be in. You keep in Dylan O'Quinn, but don't keep Jeremy Cooper in, or I'm sorry, don't bench Jeremy Cooper. Why are you benching him? Why is Joe Huber still out there? I get it. It's a great story. Former walk-on turn starter, but the reality is he is not performing at a high level. He's not performing at an adequate level. Jeremy Cooper was. The move should have been Put Lorenz Metz at right tackle, keep Dylan O'Quinn at right guard, and Jeremy Cooper at left guard. Not move Dylan O'Quinn to left guard, which I know he was happy about, but you bench Jeremy Cooper, which the interior wasn't the problem on Saturday, but still. Like, I mean, if you watched the game, you saw how many times Navy got home with pressure off the edge. It was ridiculous. John Marshall 
who I believe was Navy's leading tackler coming into this game, had a field day against the edge, against the Bearcats tackles. Right side, left side, didn't matter. There were multiple times where Ben Bryan was sacked from behind. There were multiple times where Ben Bryan was stripped of the football, all because the Bearcats tackles, let's be honest, they are not good enough. They are inconsistent. And that is a problem. The Cincinnati Bearcats have a problem at two of the most important positions of any football team, right tackle and left tackle. Lorenz Metz, it's great to see him out there. He's come through his ankle injury that sidelined him through the first eight games of the season. But they're going to need a lot more help if they're going to win these next three games and then win a conference championship. Because again, and it goes back to, and I read a lot of the comments that maybe you make, maybe you make some of these comments, but I read a lot of the fans' comments in The Athletic. And they talk about, they're now talking about Ben Bryant's lack of mobility, how it, you know, it prevents this offense from having an additional element. It prevents this offense from having plays where the offensive line has to hold up long enough and pass protection for the play to unfold. And that's a, and those are very good points. You know, I, I even read the, the point someone made that Ben Bryant is like Andy Dalton. When there's elite offensive line play, he's excellent. And that was the case for Dalton with the Bengals. But the Bearcats right now don't have an elite offensive line. They've all, they're already, I believe, past their sack total. No, they're not. There are 23 sacks given up. By the way, Brian was only sacked twice. It felt like it had to have been more. It had to have been more. I mean, maybe some of those were just quarterback hits. But what I saw on Saturday was an offensive line that was good up the middle, in the interior, terrible on the outside. And that's a problem. Ben Bryant's blind side's a problem, and the right tackle's a problem. Lorenz Metz should be right tackle. Like, that should be what it is. Now, the last, now, that's just what I think. The right change was not made. Joe Huber is simply not good enough in pass protection. You saw the safety against UCF. He had no chance. James Tunstall has been inconsistent. I mean, there was one play against UCF where he was on the ground by the time the ball was handed off. That means he can't even hold his block and his stance. That's a problem. So... That's just what I noticed from the offensive line. I like the changes were made, but the right one wasn't made. And certainly benching Jeremy Cooper, one of your steadier forces on the offensive line, he never should have been benched. Sorry, never. All right. Here's another thing I noticed. Delay of games. Too many. I believe there were three. Two in one possession. If you're and and I read something interesting that someone compared Ben Bryant's body language to Eli Manning's, I think it's worse. Like I like Ben Bryant, I think he's got a really good arm. I think he's done a pretty again. I think he's done a pretty admirable job. Sorry, I think he's done a pretty admirable job of you know keeping the ship afloat through the loss to Arkansas, through the loss to UCF. This team is seven and two. But my goodness, the delay of games have to stop. I mean, that's just a matter of having a sense of urgency, being aware, you know, knowing the play clock, and just not lollygagging around. Like his body language, I don't like. 
it's too calm, it's too relaxed. Like, you need the body language of a Tom Brady and a Peyton Manning and a Joe Burrow. You need the body language of that. You don't need the body language of an Aaron Rodgers or Eli Manning. If that's what... um. If that's what this fan is saying, then he's correct. But then there was another another fan who commented in The Athletic who pointed out all the positions the Bearcats are replacing this year and that this team is still 7-2. and two. It's really, really impressive when you think about it. They're replacing quarterback, running back, wide receiver, left tackle, um cornerback, defensive end, and this is not all the positions, but you get the idea of just how much talent from last year is not here this year. But here's where I have a problem with talent this year. Where is Corey Kiner? And that's not, I don't think, an indictment on him, unless there's something we don't know. Like, remember when Tavion Thomas didn't get a lot of snaps? And we all wondered why. And then it, you know, it turns out that it was an issue with him. We all thought that maybe he just wasn't getting snaps because, you know, for alternative reasons. But it turns out that it was, unfortunately, reasons that were in his control. With Corey Kiner, and I'm saying that because I believe, if my memory serves me correctly, that it was academic-related. So Tavion Thomas ultimately redshirted so he could get academics right. He ultimately transferred. I'm happy for where he's having success right now at Utah. But Corey Kiner, unless his hand injury is worse than we thought, which maybe it is, he hasn't built on his performance at Tulsa. And you wonder why that is. And you hear Luke Fickle say, well, he's a part of the game plan every week. Well, then why isn't he being used? Like, on Saturday... The Bearcats rushing totals, McClellan got 11 carries, Montgomery got four, Corey Kiner got one, like one carry for two yards. I mean, that's, that is, I can't explain that. I can't. Because to me, he should be getting more carries. It's that simple. He's too talented. And if, He's not going to get more snaps. You might lose him when you need when you when you really need him, and that's what I fear a little bit with Evan Prater. And I know a lot of you do too. But why he hasn't been used a lot, and why he, um, you know, why he hasn't been used a lot, and is his hand injury still bothering him, or if there's something we don't know, that okay. Those are all questions that I have about Kiner. And hopefully, as the season winds down, we get some answers. Because I think he could be needed. I think he is going to be needed. McClellan's great, but he can't do it all. All right, coming up, something else that was problematic on Saturday that has me concerned for this Friday. I'll explain what that is after a word from Simply safe. That's the wrong tab there. All right, here we go. So this is a new product that we're proud to have as a sponsor here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, the College Channel. Did you know that over the holidays, property crimes like burglaries and package thefts 
spike nationally. That's why our friends at Simply Safe Home Security are offering 50% off their award winning security system so that more families can feel safe and secure this holiday season. Order your Simply Safe system for half off and security and greater peace of mind this holiday season. Here's why I love it. My apartment here in Macon, Georgia is unique because you enter it from the outside. Now it's gated, it's secure, but still, I don't know what could happen. I've been gone for multiple days on end numerous times since I've been here. And that's why I love Simply Safe's advanced technology because it controls my system. I can control it from my phone with the app. I can watch it crystal clear, make sure everything is okay. Um, they really have my back all the time because let's be honest, crime is it's high these days, and I'm very thankful for my Simply Safe security system. It was named the best home security system, in fact, this year by US News and World Report. That's a third year in a row. So what it is, it's a whole home security with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door, HD security cameras for inside and out, smarter ways to detect motion that alert you only when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors that detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. You can stay in complete control of your system with the top-rated Simply Safe app anytime, anywhere, arm or disarm, unlock for a guest, access your cameras, or adjust system settings. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system I recommend because it is a true game changer for me. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash URL today. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com slash lockdown college. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, thank you for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. Let me make sure I have this right. Yes, I do. For your second listen today, next listen, excuse me, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day, available on this app, the Odyssey app, rather, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Alex Frank with you, your host, each and every day here on Lockdown Bearcats, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. So there was um, something that stood out to me as problematic in this game for Cincinnati, and I am concerned about it for this Friday's game. The Bearcats secondary on Saturday wasn't very good. And Hudson Mason, who was the color analyst for ESPNU, brought this up multiple times. The secondary can't go to sleep against Navy because they will throw some passes. And on Saturday, they did. Navy was four of six for 84 yards through the air. Like Masai Maynard, who came in for Xavier Arline, had some really nice deep balls down the middle of the field. And if you're Cincinnati, I think that that should be a concern heading into this week. Because if you get beat against triple option offenses, which should not happen. Here's, by the way, and I, I've been trying to figure out if I if there's a time this week where I can mention it, but there is. Okay. So Dan Horn brought this up on the broadcast. Navy does not apply, or I should say NIL does not apply to Navy because they get paid for their service time. And here's the thing about Navy. You can transfer in the Navy, but once you become a junior or senior, you're locked in. So NIL doesn't apply to Navy. That's impact recruiting and the transfer portal. That is in no way a disrespect to the Naval Academy. I have a tremendous 
amount of respect for Navy. I have a tremendous amount of respect for all the service academies. Why? Because I have a veteran in my family, multiple veterans in my family, I believe. And I understand the commitment and the sacrifice that it takes to be that. But if the Bearcats struggle against Navy with their secondary, how are they going to hold up against East Carolina? Especially when I read these statistics to you. So this is kind of a first look at ECU. I am most concerned heading into this Friday about the Bearcats secondary against ECU's receivers. This year, ECU has three receivers, actually four, but really three. Actually, we'll count it four. Averaging over 10 yards per catch. In fact, it's really the catch. Well, actually, we'll say 10 because Ryan Jones only averages 10.3. But Jalen Johnson averages 11.9. But Isaiah Winstead averages 13.6. But C.J. Johnson, sorry, averages 16. So that means they're looking to throw the ball. And you know why they're looking to throw the ball? Because they have an experienced quarterback throwing the ball to them. Holton Naylor's who's averaging almost 300 yards passing per game. So if the Bearcats struggled against a team that doesn't throw the ball very often, now put them up against ECU. See how they do. Because I'm telling you right now, this is going to be a tough test with their receivers and their speed. Jaquan Shepard has to step up. And this is the first time I've really worried about the secondary all season. Arquan Bush, I'm not worried about. In fact, Arquan Bush had a pick six against ECU in 2018. But you know who did have a pick six in 2019 who's not here? Sauce. You know who had um, a blocked field goal return for a touchdown last year against ECU? Sauce Gardner. Sauce and Kobe aren't here. So for the first time all season... I really think the Bearcats' new-look secondary is going to be tested. Now, here's the good thing. The good thing is Tanner Mordecai, who the Bearcats have faced, by the way, had 10 touchdowns on Saturday. 10. Tanner Mordecai, the Bearcats handled him convincingly. Whole Nailers is very similar to Tanner Mordecai. He's second, I believe, second in passing yards in the American behind Tanner Mordecai, who the Bearcats have already handled um, with relative ease. But this offense is better than SMU's because it's multidimensional. And we're going to talk about that with Russ tomorrow. I'm going to talk about it a lot on Friday because to me, this team is going to test the Bearcats' new look secondary. Like, no team has all season. And let me tell you this, having watched ECU play, the shorthanded and battered defensive front is going to have to stop the, the conference's leading rusher in Keaton Mitchell. If they can do that, okay, if they can do that, then, you know, they're going to have to pass. But if the running game's working, and more defenders come down in the box, and there are corners left on islands with ECU's receivers, 
That's going to make me nervous. By the way, um, ECU is, let me see. Um, in terms of passing yards, Hole Nailers is second. By the way, Ben Bryan is fifth. Passing touchdowns, Bryan and Nailers are tied for third and fourth. Average yards passing per game, um, Ailers is third at 292.4. Ben Bryan is fifth at 262. So believe it or not, very similar um, statistics, somewhat I should say, with the quarterbacks. But to me, it's a matter of, you know, it's a matter of can this secondary against ECU's receivers? I mean, some of them are averaging over 15 yards a catch. C.J. Johnson's averaging 16. Isaiah Winstead's averaging 13.6. Jalen Johnson's averaging 11.9. Ryan Jones, 10.3. This is a very, very good offense in East Carolina. And after watching the Bearcats against Navy, who don't throw very often, I truly am starting to wonder, how is this secondary going to hold up against um, ECU's receivers. It is something I'm concerned about. Sorry, I keep having to blow my nose during the show. But it is something that really concerns me. Because Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant aren't here. Sauce is not here to take away half the field. And neither is Kobe Bryant, Jim Thorpe Award winner, his ball skills. How do you slow down this um, ECU offense after not being able to stop Navy? The game very well might come down to that on Friday night. All right, coming up, speaking of corners, Bearcats and the pros and the NFL, they should be looking to give Sauce Gardner as much exposure as possible. And I truly mean that. I will get into all of that after a word from a company that we haven't heard from lately very much. And that is Built Bar. Can we pause the pod for a second? Okay, we're paused. Great, because you got to try this. I'm talking about Built Bar's new reimagined flavors. Here you go. Cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, and coconut brownie topper. I saw one of my coworkers eating the Built Bar. He immediately picked it up and was like, it's mine. And I'm like, I know. I'm just saying because I'm proud to have Bill Bar as a sponsor on the Locked On College channel. With chocolate, peppermint granola. It's Bill's take on the granola bar, so it's more filling and still insanely tasty. And candy cane brownie puff, oh my gosh. They're like biting into the universe's most delicious clout. First off, for anyone who hasn't tried Bill Bars before, they're literally the best tasting protein bars ever built. Literally. They're revolutionizing nutrition as we know it. 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, shockingly low sugar and calories. <coughs> Excuse me. Just sink your teeth into that first bite, and it'll change your life forever. I'm not kidding. There will be a time before you try these new Built Bar flavors. And the magical, wonderful time afterwards, you're probably wondering which new flavor is my favorite. That's an unanswerable question, to say the least. They're all unbelievable, and they're all different, so you can order a mixed box and try all five flavors for yourself. You got to try this. Built. Get 15% off your order right now by using the Locked On 15 at Built.com. All right. So let's finish off with a high note. And that is 
What a tremendous rookie season Sauce Gardner is having. Unbelievable. He is having one of the, I mean, you look at what he is doing. And for a while, I think I felt like at least, maybe you did too. Maybe you felt like, well, it's great that he's the first, you know, Bearcats first round draft pick in 51 years, which is great. But how was he going to do in the pros? Was he going to live up to it or was he just going to be, you know, hey, first round draft pick? Well, so far this season, he has two picks. He has 44 tackles. Um, does it say if he has any pass breakups? Um, so I'm just telling you right now, he is as advertised. Like, there's a reason why Robert Sala, remember that video, was incredibly um, – was incredibly excited to draft him. Um, Sauce Gardner this year has two interceptions, 44 tackles, three tackles for loss, and a quarterback kid. Let's say anything about pass breakups. I'm trying to see if they are in here. Hmm. They don't say that they are. Interesting. But, again, and I watch him, and I watch the Jets, and I see how much fun they are. Oh, passes defended. That's what I wanted. 13. Three against the Broncos, three against the Packers, two against the Bengals, one last week, including that epic pass breakup at the end of the game to Gabriel Davis, who you, you remember, as Sauce alluded to after the game. It was like for him playing in college when he has Gabriel Davis, you know? Against Gabriel Davis. He was a fantastic, fantastic corner. So I watch and his personality, and his sauce, and his, the wearing the cheese-headed Lambeau field, playing in New York, playing on a Jets team that is fun to watch, tough, physical. They're winning without Brees Hall. They're you know winning with a quarterback who's still developing in Zach Wilson. They're winning with a head coach who's only in year two. They're not used to winning. But then again, like the Bengals last year, they don't know what they don't know. So... I think it's absolutely perfect to have this guy in New York. A macho guy who has, you know, been overlooked his entire life, but one is just going to be the best at his position. Like, how the heck Derek Stingley Jr. went ahead of Sauce Gardner? I, I, I don't know if I'll ever know the answer to that. But what I do know is Sauce Gardner is that guy. He is that guy. And so it will be great to see him this week at the Bearcats game. But more importantly, if you're the NFL, and if the Jets continue to win this year, which I think they can, if they've already beaten the Bills once, they have New England again, they got Miami again, they have Seattle, which will be really interesting to see Sauce and Kobe, their teams play each other. Like, they still have some winnable games on their schedule, man. Like, I look at them and I say... That team can find a way into the playoffs. I mean, they're only a half game out of first. So who's to say they can't win the division? But if the Jets are good throughout the rest of this season, and if they get into the playoffs, the NFL is going to put them in prime time next year. And Sauce Gardner is a player you want to see in prime time if you're the NFL. You want a star player from your biggest market 
and one who's going and one who's a, by the way, a very good player. Like he's the leading favorite to win defensive rookie of the year. And if he's not, he should be. He should win defensive rookie of the year. But just think about how good this guy can be. Like there are reasons he was compared to Richard Sherman, Antonio Cromartie. There are reasons he was compared to some of the best cornerbacks of their time. Now, Sauce Gardner is that guy. Because he is really good, man. And, like, cornerback is still a very important position. You see it. You take away one whole side of the field. Josh Allen struggled against him. Josh Allen struggled against him. Aaron Rodgers struggled against him. You're seeing how valuable he is. And I, and I cannot wait to see the NFL put his personality on primetime, Sunday night, Monday night, him walking in with the sauce chain. New York finally has someone to root for, a star, for the first time since Darrell Revis. And funny how I asked you all earlier in the offseason, could Sauce Gardner be the next Darrell Revis? Oh, hell yeah, he can. Or heck yeah, he can. Sorry, Grandma and Granddad. He can be. I mean, necessarily. Um, he can be. Um, he's going to be at the game on Friday, I believe, according to one of his tweets. And I just think about what a great ambassador he is for the university, right? He's a good kid. You know, he works really hard. He's confident. You know, he represents the university well. He's a program icon. He's going to, um, he's a smart player. He's physical. He rises in big games like he did against Buffalo, against UCF, ECU. Was great in the Cotton Bowl against Jamison Williams before he got, uh, yeah, Jamison Williams. This is a guy you want to see succeed. And we can be extremely thankful that he came from the University of Cincinnati. Kobe Bryant's having a great season too uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. I did not expect Seattle to be as good as they are right now. Like they are not just a fluke. Them and the Jets, I think we thought could be competitive. I didn't think we expect them to both be six and three at this time, This at, at, at this point in the season. All right. So let's finish it off with a little bit of men's basketball. I was going to do a recap Monday night, but I had to make sure I was ready for election day. Um, here in Macon, Georgia. So I'm just going to spend a few minutes talking about what I saw Monday night from the Bearcats' 98-55 to win over Chaminade. I liked what I saw. I'm really encouraged. Um, I thought the offense played much more coherently um, than last year. If they can perform like this, they're going to be a really competitive basketball team. Like This is a team that has a shot to play in the NCAA tournament. Um, and I think the biggest thing that Stood out to me. There were a lot of things. Landers Nolly, who was probably the biggest transfer uh, acquisition in the offseason, really, really liked what I saw from him. Um, he's as advertised. Um, last night, or sorry, Monday night for the Bearcats, he averaged um, 19, or not, not averaged, 19 points, four rebounds, four assists. 8 of 13 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3. That's a fantastic first performance. David DeJulius, I mean, he's the rock of this team. 24 points, 3 assists, 9 of 15 from the floor. Um, Rob Finnessy, in 19 minutes, impacted the game in more ways than just scoring. Only scored, sorry, 3 points, but he had 3 steals and 8 assists. Very, very good, sorry. Um, free throw shooting. It's got to get better. It was 14-22, but 
it did get better in the second half. Eight of 14 in the first half, six of eight in the second half, but still 14 and 22. Because those misses in the first half against a team like Houston, that could be the difference between being down five and then, and then being down 10. And you want to be down by five, obviously, against a team like that. But very encouraging performance. Um, tremendous energy. Wes Miller is, I mean, like, he reminds me of Mick Cronin and how energetic he is. But I almost like it more. In fact, I do. Because there were, t- there were two times where he ripped into either the officials or his team during the game. One, he called a timeout. Dan Horde said this on the broadcast, strictly to rip into the officials because they weren't calling 10-second violations. And there should have been three of them called. There was only one of three that were actually called. That was a tremendous um, job of Miller. And, like, I feel like Mick Cronin was almost putting on an act when he ripped into officials. Like, I I heard it from someone. I think it was Terry Nelson who told me once that Mick Cronin doesn't even, like, say anything. He just lip speaks. What's the point of that? I think that's how he told me it. Wes Miller is genuinely screaming. So the way he sticks up for his team, and then the way he'll rip into his team when they're up 40. Because there were some sloppy moments. That, to me, this, this head coach is doing it because he wants this team to be the best team it can be. Wes Miller was the absolute right hire for this for this job, and he is immediately paying dividends. Whether or not this team makes the tournament, and I think they could, they're definitely going to go to the NIT, I can tell you that. Whether or not this team makes the NCAA tournament, this program is in great hands for this year and heading into the Big 12 with Wes Miller at the helm. On tomorrow's show, he was at the game on Monday night. He's going to be there tomorrow night for the Cleveland State game. Russ Heldman, he'll join me for his thoughts on the Bearcats' win last week over Navy. Look ahead to tomorrow's game, or Friday's game, rather, against DCU. And looking ahead to the Bearcats' men's basketball game tomorrow night against Cleveland State. And much, much more with our guy and my colleague from all Bearcats and Sports Illustrated, Russ Heldman. Locked On Bearcats is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's free and available everywhere that you get your podcasts and on YouTube. So don't forget to subscribe to our Locked On Bearcats YouTube channel and follow us too to get an alert every time we drop a new episode. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty with two N's and an A-T-I. And you can follow me on Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore, email me at Alex3Frank at gmail.com. Hey, thanks for making Locked On Bearcats your first listen of every day. How about for your second listen? You make it Locked On Sports today. That's your second listen. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Oops, I lost my access there. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. For Locked On Bearcats, my name, excuse me, is Alex Frank. Have a great rest of your day, and I will be back tomorrow with Russ Heldman right here on Lockdown Bearcats, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.